Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. I'm Kendra Sheehan. Eric Danner joining all the way from the beautiful Abilene, Texas, where he's located for the Women's Soccer Championship. Eric, I'm sure you've had quite some fun over the past couple of days. You had a five-hour drive, some bad weather, but it's all exciting now. We're ready to talk all things happening in the WAC. Yeah, it, it was a very exciting uh, drive, Kendra. Uh, we had some uh, torrential downpour. Uh, of course, Dallas traffic uh, kind of uh, ran into some of that, but we made it here to Abilene and had some fantastic games on Wednesday night. We're going to talk to Ben Wilson, who's our play-by-play broadcaster, in our next segment to break down the women's soccer tournament. But uh, first off, let's talk about the other football, right? Black football. <laughs> From football to football. (laughs) And and Sam Houston continues to be the story, ranked number one. They get another big win over Tarleton, 45 to 27. This week, uh, they have Dixie State coming to town. So, you know, the the, the Trailblazers, their their gauntlet continues with all these top-ranked teams. Now they get the number one-ranked team on their home turf. So that uh, is one to watch here coming up, Kendra, at uh, noon on Saturday. Dixie State just has their work cut out for them, certainly. But, you know, they did pretty well against Delaware. Obviously, they didn't get the win, but they put up quite a quite a fight. It was held them to 68 total yards of offense in the second half. Fortunately, they couldn't get it done. Uh, but Tyrell Grayson had, I think, a team-high 12 tackles and a forced fumble. So he continues to be a bright spot for, for that team. And another big matchup will be Abilene Christian at Jacksonville State. They did suffer a loss to SFA, but, um, you know, their, their kicker was our Ticket Smarter, event, or Ticket Smarter our special teams player of the week. Um, so he was a bright spot there. He had 52. Yeah, Blair Zapata. Blair Zapata from Abilene Christian at a 52-yarder in that loss at uh, Stephen F. Austin. That uh, game was chock full of uh, Players of the Week brought to you by Ticket Smarter. Trey Self, the quarterback uh, for SFA, had another fantastic game. Completed over 80% of his passes, 346 yards, 32 of 39, five touchdowns. Hard to get much better than that for Trey Self. And then Jeremiah Walker, a freshman, uh, had two interceptions and pretty big time interceptions plus a, a quarterback sack in that win for Stephen F. Austin. So right now they're three and one in the lack. So they're in pretty good shape there, Kendra, as, as we head down the home stretch of the season. Another good matchup, uh, Lamar at Tarleton. Tarleton had put up quite a fight against the number one team in the country. They went head to head. I mean, it was 14-14 at one point and they were matching them pretty well and of course you know Sam Houston runs off 31 unanswered points in the third quarter to really take the game but both teams now coming off of a loss Lamar of course that 42-10 loss to EKU but you know I think this could could be a good matchup the Cardinals aren't playing terribly and I think that they could you know create some havoc for Tarleton and I'm hoping to get to that game on Saturday night I'm here in Abilene the heading over to Stephenville on Saturday to oh, do a, right. uh, a story on uh, their head basketball coach, uh, Billy Gillespie, and then uh, check out they have home volleyball happening on Saturday as well as home football. So we get to check out everything that's happening in the town of Stephenville and uh, check out the Tarleton Texans in person. 
You've got quite a busy schedule ahead of you. A lot of driving. And of course, you were the driver. It was, I think, how many did you say? Five people that were with five, you? Five people. The, the, uh, <laughs> the rental car counter took mercy and he saw all the people and all the luggage and uh, gave us a, uh, he upgraded us to a Suburban for no extra costs. So that ah, was really wow. Fun. Thank goodness, <laughs> because that would have been a long drive with uh, three people in the back seat for five hours. I mean, you're only gone six days. Did, did everyone need to bring four suitcases? Um, you know, I, I like to pack heavy. I'm not, a, <laughs> I don't like to pack light. Uh, ben Wilson, who we'll have in our, our second segment, has perhaps the smallest suitcase I've ever seen for somebody packing for six days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Quite the opposite for me. I will need to check an extra bag when I go to women's soccer next men's week. So, men's soccer next week. Oh, yeah, men's soccer. We're talking yes. about women's soccer. Men's soccer next week. I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> and that'll be in uh, Phoenix, held at the GCU campus. That should be exciting. And, you know, we're less than a week away from that. So a lot of important matchups are happening this week. Teams looking to clinch their spot in the tournament. GCU already clinched that number one seed so they'll have a buy in the first round of the tournament and then other teams looking to do the same in these last matches of the season pretty early on to, to have clinched especially as competitive as it's been but that shows you how good gcu is this year ranked number 17 in the country nine and one in the whack and they have a four match win streak that they're riding into this final week of the regular season and they are at air force on Saturday. So that figures to be one to circle on your calendar there. Falcons have kind of fallen off a little bit. They lost two in a row, now seven and three in the whack, but uh, a potential, I guess, you know, when, when you look at it, a potential preview of, of the whack championship. And they have Brian Munoz on the GCU team, who's been the, you know, whack defensive player of the week, 15 saves. So you know, Air Force has a strong offense, but Brian Munoz in the back of the net has certainly been a challenge for teams to figure out how to defeat him. Another uh, team to watch, Kendra, as we, as we look forward to the men's soccer tournament next week at GCU is San Jose State. The, the Spartans right now sitting second place in the whack in the standings. They play Seattle U, currently in a tie for third place with Air Force. And that will be at Seattle U on Saturday night, 7 o'clock Pacific. So that uh, should probably determine who, who's going to be number two in the uh, WAC tournament, which is a big deal because the number two seed gets a bye. Number three seed has to play in the first round. And UTRGV and UIW are playing for that play-in de facto playing game for that final spot. So that should be another matchup. I mean, all these teams have something to prove this final match of the season. Should be a lot of fun to watch, Kendra. And right after that, uh, so we're about uh, two weeks away now from <laughs> the WAC Volleyball Tournament, which will be in Las Cruces. And we're, we're uh, getting uh, some separation, I guess. But the team uh, making a lot of noise is a team that can't be in the tournament. California Baptist has now won six matches in a row. They're eight and three. They're leading the West Division. But with a transition from Division Two to Division One. They're not eligible for the NCAAs. Therefore, they're not playing in the WAC tournament uh, this year. We'll be eligible next year. Basketball is the one sport that, that has the, the exception there. But uh, CBU definitely have a, a fantastic season. And they, they will be playing uh, Chicago State on Thursday night. And that, that figures to be a pretty big matchup as the Cougars are trying to fight their way into the tournament. Yeah, it certainly will be a big battle. 
Poor CBU. I mean, that's just what comes with, you know, making the adjustment, you know, one, one, six in a row, but a lot of other great matchups happening. Tarleton is, is doing pretty well. Their right side hitter Lauren Kersey has been just carrying the Texans to some sweeps this week or last week, um, you know, 10th time in the last 11 matches that she led her team in kills 12 kills against ACU. She's certainly showing out for the Texans right now. Yeah, Tarleton will be hosting both uh, Stephen F. and Sam Houston uh, this Thursday and Saturday. Abilene Christian, where, where I am right now, they, they will be playing the same team. So they're travel partners, as we call them. So they play the same teams on, on the opposite nights. Uh, ACU, uh, right now on the outside looking in uh, for that WAC tournament. So they, they want to try to get some, some wins, especially at home towards the end of the year here. But Sam Houston right now, uh, would be that number one seed if the season ended today. So uh, a lot to be sorted out as we head down to the final weeks of WAC Volleyball. So exciting championship season. It's one of the best parts of, of the job, getting getting to go to these tournaments and seeing seeing some of the best matchups that we can. And, you know, we have basketball that's starting up, which is super exciting. Now we're in that crossover, you know, time when we have just games, matches galore. But, you know, four new teams in the league this year, it's it's already was a loaded league before. And then you add these four great teams to make it an even tougher conference. Yeah, when you go to GCU next week, Tuesday night will be opening night for college basketball. And right. I'm sure the Havocs will be out in force uh, Tuesday night at GCU oh. Arena. And then they also play at home on Friday. So there's going to be a lot going on in Phoenix, uh, not just the men's soccer tournament, but a lot of. Uh, Grand Canyon Lopes action in, in both men's and women's basketball, and they host volleyball the, uh, next week as well. Yeah, I'm told that we already have our tickets for Tuesday's basketball game, and uh, Gabe McLaughlin was actually in our WAC top play package this week and during their exhibition match against uh, Western New Mexico. Correct, yeah. He had a nice one-handed slam yeah. dunk that got, I'm sure, the crowd – riled up and ready for basketball season he's certainly going to be one to watch this season and speaking of whack top play we first time i think ever we had a cross country uh whack top play this past week as cbu had the perfect score i happened to be in riverside last week uh as part of the broadcast team there and uh what a job the lancers did a perfect score in cross country finished one two three four five uh, their women's team did it a couple of years ago their men's team did it this year and shout out to Utah Valley for winning the women's championship. They were picked third in the preseason or the pre-championship poll. And the Wolverines uh, were able to pull off a surprise and beat the host uh, Lancers on their home course. And ACU's Irene Rono for setting a WAC championship record in the 6K. She ran a time of 18.42, I want to say, to double check that. But she ran a phenomenal race. And that broadcast, I have to a shout out to CBU was so stunning in the way that they had the drone and they had the multiple camera shots. I mean, you were there, you were, you know, the, the, the quote unquote sideline reporter. So you got to speak with all the winners. And of course my sister ran cross country in college for Auburn. And so it was really nice when I was talking to her about, you know, the cross country championships this past weekend that you guys were broadcasting it and it was going to be on ESPN plus because you know, it's always nice to see a sport like that get some get some love, and then you have California Baptist go one, two, three, four, five, and prove why they are the team that they are. Pretty amazing, and they did it 
actually it was at the UC Riverside course, uh, CBU about seven miles away, the campus from where the actual course was and just an interesting terrain. And uh, it, it was an orange grove. Uh, so there's all these orange trees everywhere and you know, it's dirt roads. Uh, so there's a lot of dust, you know, cause it's desert uh, area there. So it was just a very interesting, there's mountains, you know, you, you think California, I think maybe the, the ocean, all that good stuff. But uh, it was uh, it was a great uh, meet pulled off by, by CBU and uh, congratulations to all our winners. Well, just ahead, like we had previewed before, Ben Wilson will be joining us play-by-play -play for our ESPN broadcast at the Women's Soccer Tournament in Abilene. Stay with us and hear all that Ben has to say after the first quarterfinal matchups. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the WAG Podcast. I'm Kendra Sheehan. Eric Danner joining us from Abilene, Texas, and Ben Wilson, play-by-play -play for the Women's Soccer Championship, also joining us from Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for being here. Ben, we'll start with you. I mean, quarterfinals in the books. What did you like from the matches that you called yesterday? I like the fact that it was, uh, we, we made it through day one, our worst weather day by far, and that things are only going to look up from here, which was, uh, it's almost like a, it's like a dual reward for these teams. They start off the tournament and it was brutal yesterday, mid forties, pouring rain, basically the whole day leading up to the games. But the teams that win, they, they kind of get the reward of, it's supposed to be like 75 and sunny this weekend, uh, what we're looking forward to. But Kendra, my big takeaway was, we knew coming in this would be such a unique conference tournament feel simply because you had two different divisions and a couple of matchups where neither team had faced each other in the regular season, which is just so abnormal for these conference tournaments. You're so used to these teams seeing each other for a third or fourth time. And Lamar, New Mexico State, you talk about in our first game, like completely opposing styles. I don't know that I've ever watched or called a match where one team had 32 shots. And not only did they not score, but they lost one nothing. And it was, it, it kind of made you, you kind of made you appreciate just the nature of postseason soccer in any form or fashion, because the margins are so, so tight, so close that in a lot of these games that are pretty evenly matched, I think, you know, Utah Valley, Sam Houston was the one uh, exception so far to that. Utah Valley just so incredibly good and on all sides of the ball. But I think we'll continue to see this throughout the rest of the tournament where you get these really tight matchups and it comes down to who can finish more efficiently in the final third and, it was to watch that in person, seeing a team like New Mexico State just have chance after chance after chance. Uh, it is really fascinating when you're calling a game and just seeing these teams go from, all right, we got this. We have all these chances to, all right, we're starting to run out of time to the panic setting in. That's, that's kind of what I thought happened at the end of that match. And, and Lamar, I give credit to them. They, they, they weathered the storm. I mean, literally for like a full 90 minutes there. Ben, I'm just down the hall from me here. Uh... If you're watching on YouTube, we're both in Abilene, Texas, and those first-round matchups you, you mentioned there, they're two, you couldn't uh, pick more different endings, 1-0 uh, and 6-1, to one. but uh, Lamar being able to withstand all those shots, come away with the victory, and once they got that goal early in the second half against New Mexico State, they, they did kind of take the air out of the ball a little bit, and Steve Holman, the, their, their head coach, such a, uh, a pedigree. He's, he's been at a lot of Division One schools, Georgia, Mississippi as the head coach. As we've see, seen in this tournament, a lot of uh, Power Five experience. But uh, Lamar's one of those 
sneaky teams that uh, you look at their record, maybe doesn't wow you, but they get the job done in, in generally low-scoring games. You know, you're, you're exactly right. First off, I see you got the King Suite upgrade. I clearly, <laughs> I it and the artwork on the wall. I don't know. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> well, I, you, you couldn't really tell by that. Uh, Lil Lamar too. It, not only you mentioned the pedigree of, of Steve Holman, but their final season in the Southland last year, guys, they were up three nothing in their first match blow that lead. They give up two goals in the final three minutes and lose to overtime, losing overtime to Sam Houston, who's also now in the whack as well. You, you kind of think of, man, like, could you have a, a worse way to lose than that? And how does that impact your program going forward, especially when you have the offseason to think about that and everything? And he was pretty uh, straight with us telling, he told us uh, we've learned a lot from it. We understand now the importance of finishing and you just have to think that a loss like that just kind of hardens your team in a way that is really hard to duplicate any way else. And they, they came in and they never really looked panicked or flustered, even though they were just getting this, these barrage of shots uh, on them from start to finish from New Mexico State. Having said all that, it'll be so fascinating to see how they match up against the, the GCU team. You look ahead to uh, the quarterfinal or the semifinal here uh, on, on Friday night and GCU comes in with when you talk about pedigree, Eric, I mean, you come in with the offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year, and a program that is really for the first time had a, a good taste of success, a team that really hadn't uh, accomplished much of anything until last year when they had a great ending to the season, came up short and lost in the semis in that game uh, to Seattle in, in a tournament hosted by GCU last year. So I, for the first time, you get a sense of belief on the GCU side that they really feel they belong amidst the upper echelon in this conference. So I'm really curious to see how that uh, that contrast will come with a team who just won a game in Lamar, who's got a lot of belief themselves, but maybe for different reasons. I want to stay with GCU for just a moment. When you look at their offense, I mean, they have so many players that can score. Brenna Alderson, Herman Larson, Hannah Edwards coming up from the back and is a threat on those corners. And GCU had lost last year in the semifinals. So obviously coming into this year, it's kind of, you know, a, a redo of last year. How do you think these two teams are going to match up, especially with the high-powered offense that the Lopes have? Yeah, and you think, too, Kendra, like you we point out the offense, and you think about it on the other side, Lamar, it was six goals allowed in their 10 conference games, and then they get the clean sheet in the quarterfinal Wednesday, so make it 6-11, and 11, which is kind of absurd when you think about it, like how you can be that disciplined. And yeah, we, you know, we talked with uh, Chris Sissel and he basically admitted, I mean, we know, we know Lamar is going to be super organized defensively. They'll, they'll want to try and counterattack. Uh, what's interesting is even though GCU, I mean, the last time everybody saw them, they demolished Utah Valley defending tournament champions look amazing in doing so they, they win six, two, and you kind of think, all right, this is a team clicking on all cylinders. But the coach was telling us, uh, earlier when we spoke with him, like, we look, we conceded first in each of our last two games. We haven't been getting off to great starts. And I think it, you, it, as much of it is coach speak, at the same time, I think these coaches do want to see some uh, some areas where they can improve on and sharpen up coming into a tournament. So we've seen in the past these teams who have first-round buys really, really have tended to struggle. I mean, think about Utah Valley last year, pushed to PKs by uh, New Mexico State and, and end up not only winning the tournament, but they went around in NCAAs. So I think the fact that GCU, while they've, they've ended the year really strong, they've had some blips on the radar, they've, they've had some inconsistencies. It, I get the sense from their coaching staff, like that's kind of helped them stay focused and prepared because, you know, they took a couple of days to celebrate. That was their first regular season title in, in their program's history. So they wanted to enjoy it for sure. But 
I also get the sense that like they'll be locked in and, and Lamar at, at a certain point, you kind of know what you're getting. It's a team that's not very offensively uh, powered, but at the same time, uh, you know, you're going to have to, you know, basically, especially watching like the New Mexico state game, you know, you're going to have to stay patient, not get frustrated if, if they prevent you from some of those chances. So I think you have to give the edge to GCU just, just based on the pedigree, based on, as you talk about Kendra, the, the immense number of goal scores they had, but at the same time, you kind of assume this is going to be like a one Oh two one type of game. Like it's not going to be the, the sort of runaway we saw like in the Utah Valley game the other night. Ben, we also had a chance to talk this morning with Tony Minata, the head coach at Stephen F. Austin. He comes to SFA, was the head coach at Iowa State uh, for a number of years and a Colorado guy uh, from Fort Collins. So uh, our conference office in Denver, so not too far from there. Interesting uh, background, and he's, he's a former Marine. And he talked a little bit about how that Marine training uh, comes into play as a women's soccer coach. Yeah, he did. That's not, not something you or I can relate to at all. We were, you know, <laughs> our, uh, our analyst, Mary Kay Morrow, is like scribbling notes frantically. I'm just like, yeah, Mary Kay, I, I, I can't, I don't know what anything he's talking about. I don't. But yeah, the, the team is, they've had a really impressive run. And you know, we kind of talk about like GCU from their sense, having the other buy and trying to think, all right, what can we improve on despite the great regular season? I thought it was really interesting, just the mentality that, uh, you know, for the Lumberjacks, they, they go into the conference season, they start 8-0. And kind of not, I wouldn't say intentionally, but they, by design, they played more players. They did, they made sure to emphasize the, the part of just the process and continuing to play better as a team, not really the result, uh, but, it, but coach pretty much admitted, like he didn't really want to go into the tournament 10 and 0. And it is such a fascinating, like mental dynamic when you think about it and how the pressure just ratchets up when you get into these, you know, losing your out type elimination games in a, in a conference tournament. And he kind of admitted, like, 10-0, and 0, it's, a really, it's a really hard thing to go in, run the table in a conference regular season, go into a tournament, and all of a sudden just assume that every, every break and every bounce is going to go your way. I, I kind of get the sense of relief almost. They, they lose their last two conference games. They had already won the division, so they had the bye locked up. They get the sense that they're feeling a little healthier. They feel like they've, you know, they were able to work on some things in practice, and it, and it gave their team a, a sense of, all right, we, we need to have the renewed focus Getting Utah Valley is a really tough draw. I mean, as a, the, you could say whatever, three, three seed on the overall thing, but as the, the two seed out of that, uh, out of that division coming from the, uh, from the West to get the defending tournament champs who looked so, so good and bounced back after that 6-2 loss at, uh, at Grand Canyon. I think they, they understood going in, it would be a really tough test. I also think you normally don't hear teams with first round buys and who start seasons eight, eight, no Eric in the conference think about playing with a chip on their shoulder, but they only got three players under the all conference team for the whack. And they kind of took it a little personally. I mean, the whole, if you look at it, Kendra, I know you had that, you know, you did the release the other day. It's like all GCU, it's all Utah Valley. And for good reason, those, those, those players in schools have put up tremendous numbers this year, but SFA, I think they did take it a little personally. They didn't get more recognition for the amazing regular season they had. So I think, I think you're going to see two teams, Utah Valley and SFA who, who come out. It might be a little chippy. I think they're going to play with, I think the word they, or at least the phrase that uh, you know, on the SFA side they used was uh, confidence, but but not not cocky to say the least. So I think you'll see a really good matchup. That that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. If I had to pick between the two semis, is that UVU and the SFA match. Well, I think also in terms of losing those last two matches, I mean, you learned so much about your team through losing, and they hadn't experienced that for you know eight prior 
matches before that. So coming into the tournament, having that adversity, being able to learn, okay, correct these mistakes that maybe they can make those adjustments. Say if they're down one nil at halftime in the semifinals, they have been there before they, you know, compose, compose themselves after a loss and, and able to now learn how to get a win. I mean, they only allowed eight goals in conference play. I think five of those came in those last two matches. Right. And you think about too, I think something Eric and I have both learned, especially this week. And, you know, for us who have covered the WAC, we haven't seen a lot of these Texas teams before. And it's interesting, <laughs> you know, you're doing a sport like women's soccer where Texas is like any other sport, but women's soccer, no difference. So, so deep with the, the talent pool they have. And also a lot of really good power five and, and group of five teams that, that, uh, that they can play in, in the non-conference. So SFA, they go out, they play rice in their first game, lose seven, nothing. And, and the coaches like basically said, we, we weren't going to back down. We wanted to play a really, really tough non-con and, and give ourselves a sense of that, you know, what, what that's like to lose matches and lose to really good teams. I found it interesting that they, you know, they played a four, four draw against Houston, who is uh, one of the top two teams in the American likely, if you look at some of the bracketology, like they'll probably get an at large bid uh, in, in the NCAA tournament, depending on how results go in their conference tournament. But Stephen F. Austin, I think they they wanted to, like you talk about, Kendra, having resilience. I think it helps when you're one of these Texas schools and kind of learning more about the league, the fact that they are, they're close in proximity to a lot of the, the big powerhouse women's soccer programs in the state. And it seems like the challenging themselves that way has paid a ton of dividends because they, they you know, come off a season last year where had a first year coach, you're trying to, you know, reestablish whatever identity of the program that, that he wants as a coach and bringing in new players. So, yeah, it seems like, and he was making the point now, you mentioned coming, Eric, earlier, coming from Iowa State. He's getting, uh, you know, he's getting emails from, from people that he would have loved to have had it to Iowa State that he's, he's easily able to recruit now at uh, Stephen F. Austin. So it's not always just, oh, power five versus a mid-major conference. It's not really the same dynamic. And that's something I, I just, you know, wasn't aware of coming into prepping for the tournament that Stephen F. Austin, I mean, they, it, it's, the, it's the real deal there, even though on paper, you know, you might look at the pedigree and haven't had a ton of success historically, but uh, they, they, they're playing with a lot of confidence and they've got really, really good players on their side. And Ben, with uh, the, the four teams remaining, you mentioned the, the chip on the shoulder for Stephen F. Green Canyon, they, they, that was the first time they've won, first time we've had divisions, but they had never won the regular season title in the WAC. Uh, Chris Sissel's had a lot of success in the WAC, but he has not won the tournament. And I'm sure that's uh, that's got to be somewhat of a, an elephant on his back as well, or a monkey on his back, if I'm uh, crossing my metaphors there, the elephant in the room. And But uh, Utah Valley is the one remaining team that has that confidence that's been there. They won the tournament last year. Not only did they win the tournament, went to the NCAAs, beat number 25 of Memphis in the first round, first ever NCAA win in any program for Utah Valley in Division One. So you think they, they might be, you know, perhaps uh, the, the team that thinks, of course, Chris LeMay told us that it's it's championship or bust for Utah Valley this year. Right. I still, yeah, I, I think you have to keep keep them the slight favorite at this point. Even, you know, obviously, this is for us, at least as a recording, sight unseen on uh, both Grand Canyon and Stephen F. Austin, but as we've talked about, we've seen this happen where that team who does not get the first round by, it helps them out by getting their feet wet and, and, and getting a game under their belts. Utah Valley also, I mean, not, not phased at all by the weather. I know we kind of started talking about that and <laughs> it looked right at home uh, last night. Even I, I, you know, being a, you know, based in Las Vegas, I'm as soft as it gets now with weather. So I was, you know, freezing my tail off last night. It's like 45, not bad at all. 
And, uh, but they looked like they looked comfortable. They looked like uh, they had, they were, you know, playing with purpose and yeah, you come off of a game. I don't know. And I was trying to look back, see the last time in a conference game, Utah Valley had given up six goals because they've played some really good uh, non-conference teams have been beaten up a bit in the past. Like I going back, I could, I'm going to keep looking, Eric. I know you're like our unofficial whack at historian, but I couldn't find another instance where they gave up six goals in a conference loss, certainly not in the Crystal May era, which is now in its fifth year. So you, with the way he can, he's a very demanding coach. I mean, we saw a couple of times last night, you know, maybe one bad pass that, that didn't result in anything. And he was up off, up off the bench. Maybe, I don't know. He was maybe trying to keep himself warm, but he was really getting after his players, demanding a ton of excellence from them the whole 90 minutes. You get the sense like they really are, a, you know, a team on a mission. Uh, and, and that's just not, that's not just because we're staying in the same hotel and, you know, we've seen them, uh, you know, studying and doing, you know, doing their coursework in the lobby. I know everybody else is doing that, but, uh, but the fact is they, they are a team with the championship pedigree and, and they've been there. They've been to the tournament. They, I know they want to build off what they did last year and they didn't, they didn't, they didn't view it as a shock that they beat Memphis. I mean, we can, you know, we can say that enough from, from talking with the coaching staff, they expected to be there and, and make a run. I will be really interested to see how the SFA, how, how they match up against them because you have two coaches who I think are really aggressive minded. They want to push tempo and it'll be kind of that clashing of styles. It's not like SFA is not just going to sit back, even though they just watched UVU score six goals. Uh, but in the end, Eric, I do think that's probably your slight favorite. I could really, I, I still think UVU, SFA, and I would say GCU, I, I still think those three have as good of a chance to win as any Lamar. For as good of a story as it has, has been, it would surprise me to see them run the table win three straight. Uh, but at, at this point, I mean, we, we know anything can happen. I just think those top three are probably your leaders in the in the clubhouse right now. Well, you had mentioned the weather and uh, both teams pushing tempo. You know, it was it was raining, I think, the night before, the morning of. And so that field was soaked. It wasn't a turf field or anything. And so now that it's going to be nicer weather and dry up, how do you expect the speed of play on the pitch to increase yeah I, it's a good question I was first off really impressed like Abilene Christian it's, it's sort of sort of a shame first time they're getting to host the you know our, our tournament and they didn't have a team in which is always you know, sort of a disappointment if you're that host school and you want to get to represent for the conference but the facilities are outstanding and the field you know it held up a lot better than than I thought it would Kendra at least especially in the first match when the rain had just stopped and you had a, a few players slipping and sliding but by no means did it look like, you know, like Packers 49ers 96 divisional game, like mud bowl and everybody's sliding like 10 yards when they try to plant their foot. Like it was still really playable. So I, I don't expect it to be a big factor going forward. I mean, if anything, you, you, know, you watch the both the speed that you see Utah Valley, GCU and SFA. I think those three teams will certainly benefit. I would think all of them from the drier conditions because they're, they're able to press. But also keep in mind, Lamar, they, their coaches were telling us they had not played a single game in the rain all season. And that team, you know, being in, in Beaumont, and I guess it makes a little bit of sense. But they were, I know they were a little concerned, like what would happen if the pitch was super slick and their defenders are used to playing a certain way. So even though maybe their, the speed won't necessarily help them, the speed of the pitch, I also think that they might have a little more confidence playing defensively that, uh, that they they'll, they'll won't have to think about that at all in the back of their minds, at least, you know, I would think in, in this semifinal tomorrow. Well, Ben, we want to thank you for taking some time out. Uh, I, I know um, you've been doing a lot of prep, did a great job on Wednesday. We look forward to hearing your call on Friday and then Sunday on ESPN Plus for the championship matches. And uh, once again, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Always happy to. Thanks for having me. Look forward to listening for the next couple games. Matches. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thanks for everybody for listening and watching the WAC Podcast.
Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.